This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Fifteen people, maybe more, trying to get to his sister. Nearly got it, too. But his doctor, of all people, shot him six times. Then he set him on fire. Both of them nearly burned to death. Yeah, I'll be glad to see this one gone. Yes, indeedy. Welcome to hell. Or as we call it, 80, the 80s. Yes. And that's why we're revisiting hell, because we're gluttons for punishment. As we are here, the final night of our Halloween Hootenanny of Horror for 2019. And also, we just finished 2018's, four episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So we've been in a very high-spirited mood as I represent my boy on That's his return, right. as we talk about Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. And as we return, I am your host, of course, Trey Harris. With me, as always, the Myers to my Michael, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And testing sound. <laughs> Better now than later. Right, that's what I was doing. Don't need echo sewed. Don't need yeah. sequelitis for the echo sewed. We almost had one before. We avoided it, though. Yep. From listening. <laughs> that's the bullet. Yeah. Dodging. But yeah. yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. Of course, we're, we're actually recording and filming this the night before on Halloween Eve. Technically, the night Michael Myers would break out mm-hmm. and then make his trek towards Haddonfield on his way to find. Halloween 1, you didn't know it was his sister. Part 2, they reveal Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister. Part 3 has nothing to do with it, which is why we have Halloween 4, The Return. Mm-hmm. Not the reboot, not the remake. Well, I guess you could say it's actually sort of a reboot. Soft reboot of the franchise, bringing, obviously, the face of the franchise, the shape of the franchise, Michael Myers, back into the... right on the... Fucking cover of every <laughs> promotional art for the film, which as a child scared the crap out of me because it's the classic Shatner mask from the first one, not the mask from this one, but the cover, uh, movie poster, VHS cover, that's the Shatner mask from part one. Mm. Scared that if, I, if I'm ever in the dark and I look over and I see that poster on the wall or something, I would like, oh, fuck. My heart, like, Shit. I dressed as him one year, probably like. That was a long time ago. ago. <laughs> Jesus. Cool. Was it really 20? No. No, no. It wasn't 20. 20. No, no. It wasn't 20. 15 years ago. Long time ago. Long yeah. time. But, appropriately enough, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, originally released October 23rd, 1988. IMDb says it's a 5.9. Rotten Tomatoes, 30% critics, 53% audience. So it's kind of a love it or hate it between a uh, little more love it on IMDb, a little more... Uh, even on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Estimated $5 million budget, open for 6.8, so made its budget back on its opening weekend, always a good sign. It was number one for two weeks until it was appropriately dethroned by none other than They Live, which was directed by wow. creator of the Halloween franchise, Sir John Carpenter. So domestically, it would go on to grow $17.7 million, so... Obviously, it made its money, despite the fact coming out in 1988, the butt-ass end of the slasher craze of the 80s. By this time, Jason's headed to Manhattan, so it's... (laughs) We're on the downside. Right. So they they took 10 years between Halloween 2, I mean, almost 10 years from... uh, Well, no, 10 years from Halloween, the original, excuse me, uh, to make this sequel, and then eight years 
nine years. Wait, let's see, 78, 81 was Halloween too, I believe. So almost nine years, pretty much, to get to. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know math. Seven yeah. years That's from hard, two, man. Math is hard. From two to. Uh, to part four. So, yeah, uh, this one was directed by Dwight H. Little. Uh, he also did The Phantom of the Opera in 89 with Robert England. He also was obviously like Seagal because he did Mark for Death. Uh, Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee. Uh, speaking of the Devil's Night. Uh, it's a Crow reference for all you youngins. <laughs> and strangely enough, Free Willy 2, which... Why do they have to do a part two? <laughs> so good. I've seen it once, the original, and I'm pretty sure they free him at the end. So You don't know. <laughs> Well, was it a dream when the whale? That's why. That's why the whale jumps over the kid. It's all in his head. Right. That movie just got like. He's in a tiny notch over. Yeah, I never watched it after the credits. He's in the padded cell, like (laughs) free, really, really. And then part two is like he's out and must really. That'd be a weird stinger at the end of Free Willy. They show that. How awesome! How like in how like create like that instant cult status for like, because. At, in, at that point in time, I mean, I stayed, after I watched Master of the Universe as a child I'm, and had there was a scene at the end, after that movie, I stayed for every single movie I ever <laughs> saw until recently. And now you just go on the internet. Is yeah. there a scene at the end of Joker? No. I don't have to sit through the credits. Yeah. You know, Marvel movies, yeah, you need to because they're going to throw Always. these, well, at least not, not necessarily for Spider-Man, Far From Home, because that was, <laughs> but uh, at least the credit scene. But uh, anyway... So uh, this was written by Alan B. McElroy. He also wrote Rapid Fire, Spawn with Michael Jai White, and Wrong Turn 1 through 5. Oh. So the writer of the Wrong Turn franchise, which so was obviously way after this, is the one to blame for Halloween 4. Uh, cinematography was by Peter Lyons Collister. He also did one of my favorite and underrated comedies, Problem Child, Poetic Justice, The Replacement Killers, and I always love to, and whenever I see this pop up on a, Anything on IMDb for a movie we're talking about, I love to mention it. Any Sega CD FMV video, movie, uh, video game pops up. He happened to work on Ground Zero Texas, hmm. so which was about aliens invading Texas, and you were, you know, controller wise using your D pad as to move your cursor to shoot the invading aliens. So, but uh, yeah, the days of FMV when it was. Not even not not even 480 because it was because back then our TVs were all 480 two right. televisions and it was grainy on that so 320 what's like under 480 I guess 320 320 by 360 I think 360 yeah something like that again I don't know math 360i 480i 780p 1080p it had to be 360 because I imagine it's simply because they have so much video that at that time they had to compress to a CD which CDs yeah. were. I mean, I know what the, you know, when I was burning CDs, there were 700 megabytes, I believe, or 350. One of those two, I don't remember. So they had to cram them all to a disc at that point in the early 80s, so I'm not sure the storage amount of a disc. No, CDs were 350 aside, and they had the dual layer ones that were 700. I think I'm remembering correctly on that. So, I mean, anyway. it is 320. I don't deal with those small I just pulled that number out of the air because it sounded right. It sounds right, yeah. I, th- I mean, they have a bunch of. Other options, of course. Yeah. 576i, I think, is one. I think they just thought, what rate does it have to be to fit it on the CD? And that's what they did. Yeah. Some of those games were double CDs, though, so I guess just to make it not completely horrible. Because you're watching on 480i television. It's grainy on what you're seeing. It's only half the screen. So, you know, I mean, it's like those back in the early days of uh, America Online where you watch a video and it's this big on your screen, only the 
viewers can see it on YouTube. You know, <laughs> that tiny thing, and then when you drag it big, and it's you got you know you have to sit this far away to see it. That far That's from the mic. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, see, that was a, that was uh, giving the illusion, the theatricality sure. for our podcast listeners. Sure. Uh, but let's see. Uh, starring the late and always great and always pleasant Donald Pleasance mm. as the honestly, I mean, a lot of people. Uh, I guess baby boomers remember him as Blofeld from uh, You Only Live Twice, which is also the inspiration for Doctor Evil. Uh, but most people, I think, you know, when you think of Donald Pleasance, most of them remember as Doctor Loomis from Halloween one, two, five, and six. Uh, although two things kind of, I don't think of, Doc, uh, was called Donald, Ple- uh, Donald Loomis, Sam Loomis is his full name in the movies. Uh, but, uh, Donald Pleasance is fantastic voyage because him getting eaten by a white blood cell, seeing that scene as a child scared me pretty much more than anything in this in Halloween, at least Halloween one. Cause that was terrifying watching him scream as his fake plastic thing, like the blob mm-hmm. smothers him. Yeah. I was just like, Oh God, that's creepy. As a child, and then I immediately look over at Raquel Welch in her tight white swimsuit, and like, and all this well. Every, uh, I, I'm not scared anymore. I feel a surge of heroicism. Uh, it's something, a surge of something. Yes. <laughs> also starring Ellie Cornell as Rachel. She also reprised the role in Halloween Five, and appeared in House of the Dead One and Two. So her career went nothing but down after this. Oh, yeah. Hate to say it, because I actually really like her performance in this. Uh, character actor Bo Starr is Ben Meeker. He was also in Goodfellas and a ton of television. Kathleen Kinnamont was Kelly. She was in, also in Bride of Reanimator, so she kept it in the horror franchise, much similar to Ellie Cornell did. Uh, Sasha Jensen was Brady, uh, also in Days and Confused. The film Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not the TV show, and Ghoulies 2. And rounding out the cast as the great... As the, as the man who returns himself, Michael Myers, is played in this one by George Wilbur, he would be uh, actually four, five, six. He would be at the time, before Rob Zombie's Halloween, the only actor to play Michael Myers in two films, uh, reprising the role in part six, not part five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a ton. He, he did stunt work in every great movie of the 80s, practically. Uh, Ghostbusters 2, Star Trek 2, The Beastmaster, Monster Squad. Long list, storied stuntman, and according to every documentary on this film, hell of a nice guy. And I believe he's still with us, so good on him. But yeah. Uh, good for him for living. Yeah, good job. He's doing he's doing a better job than good I am. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, anyway, mm-hmm. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Like I said, uh, I, uh, this was not one that came on TV a lot back in the day, On ca- at least on basic cable, at least in the... Nine, uh, late 90s or early uh, throughout the 90s I should say because my Halloween memories I saw Halloween 2 before I saw Halloween 1 and here in or not here but in Walker, Louisiana trying to find a video store that Halloween 1 was like we actually had to go to a town five miles over at that point Denham Springs and at uh, I forget the name of that video store I wish I could remember it but they had Halloween 1 I was like oh my god Movie connection. One. it was the one right on Florida Boulevard right at 4-H Club in that shopping center. Oh, right next to my old house. I don't remember the name of it, but that's what it was. But anyway, they had it like, holy shit, finally, I can see the original Halloween. Love the death, fantastic movie, blah, blah, blah. But my like Halloween night memories are always involved. We go out trick-or-treating, come home, and then USA would always play Halloween 2. And they yeah. would play it once, then they would play it twice. <laughs> so, and, and Halloween 2 was the one that scared, like, that was what cemented, like, Michael Myers as the scary... The scariest slasher for me, because seeing it that young, part two at that young of an age, 
indelible impression. Part two, I mean, part one is terrifying. Do not get me wrong, more and massively made. But Halloween two is a damn good sequel. Uh, of course, you know Carpenter didn't want to do it, so you know he kind of he just wrote it. They let uh, I forget his name, Rick Rosenthal, direct it. Uh, he returned to the franchise, making the wor- worst entry that's not directed by Rob Zombie in Halloween Resurrection. Uh, you know, with the great line "Trick or Treat, motherfucker" by Busta Rhymes, <laughs> and where he pretend, where then he then mar- uses mm. martial arts to stun Michael Myers, or as Josh Hartnett says in H two O, Michael Myers. So, but anyway, part four, you know, part three came out. We covered part two and part three on the podcast previously. Part three. Most people love it or hate it, but it is every year I see more and more and more and more love for part three, which I think is deservedly so, because I think this series would have worked better as Carpenter envisioned it as an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Each film's, you know, Halloween this, you know, and then it's this. And then you make four or five of them, and then you have Halloween, the return. You Then you bring Michael Myers back at that point. You know, like, oh, okay, you know, this series is successful. The first one of Michael Myers. Everybody wants to see Michael Myers again. Let's bring him back. But we can thank Sean Cunningham and Friday the 13th pretty much for every year we got to crank out a Jason movie. So producer Mustafa Akkad, rest in peace. Uh, like, hey, Michael Myers, I love this guy. I've got the rights. We're going to start now in 1988 making Halloween sequels, which had he done it a few years earlier, we probably would have had at least another two or three within the decade, uh, which would have been really interesting to see where they took the story. However, for part four being a, like I mentioned, technically, I guess, sort of a soft reboot, you know, The Shape Awakens, or life, like, uh, liken it to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, as, you know, a lot of familiar ground, but just a little more modern and, you know, changing up some of the story, hitting the same beats. It does a pretty good job. You know, uh, Basically, it picks up. I mean, the biggest thing that they have to overcome is at the end of Halloween 2, Donald Pleasance in one of those badass moments, you know, it's time, Michael. Blows him up. <laughs> Literally, they're in a room, massive explosion. Donald Pleasance is right there at the epicenter. Michael Myers trots out, falls down, supposedly dead. One of the last shots of the movie is the flames burning the mask in his face, so he should not have a face. Uh, yet in this movie, Donald Pleasance has a little scrambled egg on his cheek and his hand's a little burned and the same thing for Michael Myers. Uh, so granted you have to get past that to have the sequel. So I'll give you that. That's the, that's my one pass for this film. Like I, I get it. They survive yet. Donald Pleasance does not look like Freddy Krueger. Neither does Michael Myers. Oh, that would have been amazing at the end. It turns up, you know, when they, when you think they kill Michael Myers, I think he pulls off the mask. It's me, bitch. It's all a dream in Jamie's head. And Freddy's fucking with her. Now that would have been an ending. But uh, nevertheless, we got this. And it again, this or not again, because I don't want to start saying that again. Listen to the last episode for that bullshit. But uh, this one starts off, uh, you know, they get him out of the insane asylum. He breaks out, obviously, because the dumbass ambulance technician's like, yeah. And he, you know, and he almost killed his sister. But, uh, you know, too good thing, like, his niece is still alive. And all of a sudden, like, oh, triggered. <laughs> I mean, even though he's apparently comatose, he heard the word, he was listening in to know, wait, I have a relative I need to kill. Breaks out, wrecks the ambulance off a bridge, murders everybody, and he's on the loose yet again. There's a great, uh, we mentioned before when we were talking, I believe, about Friday, not recently about Friday the 13th Part 5, uh, how the uh, person who played Jason in that film in the flashbacks was Tom Morga. 
in this film, he plays Michael Myers when he's bandaged around the head. But this is also the film that we were referencing that episode, how Tom Morgan was fired, because basically I didn't like the way he fell when he got shot. <laughs> Fall's not working for us, Tom. Yeah. We're going to get somebody else. That's when I'm they not got buying it. That's when they got George Wilbur. So now when he's in the now when he's in the bandages, to me that's some of the most terrifying parts of the film. That's creepy looking. You know, it makes sense that he doesn't have the mask, but uh, we're gonna, well, he basically he's at the he's at the garage has he gets his coveralls by killing a mechanic, so he's got he's got over half of his costume already ready for his Halloween party. So then he kills him, escapes. Loomis, despite walking with a cane, is super nimble as he dives out of the way of a truck and dodges an explosion. Uh, hitchhikes to Haddonfield. Michael's all, obviously already ahead of him. There's a great scene I want to touch on too, where he's where Loomis is talking to this uh, old preacher that uh, gives him a lift. There, actually, you're on, you're watching it right now. It's a great scene with uh, Pleasance and that guy because it's basically Loomis is a nut. It's just as crazy as Michael Myers, except he doesn't have the homicidal. He has the obsession with Michael Myers as Michael's obsessed with killing his family. As Michael is is as obsessed as killing his family as Loomis is obsessed with stopping Michael. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's both that. So he's kind of seeing this scene and well acted by Pleasance. Good dialogue in this scene. The preacher is obviously meant to be kooky, but you can tell like Loomis is seeing like, this is me. Like that's me. So it's, it's a great little scene. And otherwise, you know, you know, standard horror slasher sequel for the most part. Mm-hmm. So anyway, then we get to a great scene in the drugstore, Vincent's drugstore in this film where Jamie is getting a Halloween costume. Jamie, Again, the acting in this film is very good, I'd say, overall. There's some weak links, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. Daniel Harris, no relation. Thank goodness for young me. Uh, not in this film, but go watch the Hatchet series. She's She blossomed into a very beautiful woman. And I think she's like three, two, four years older than me. So I think she's got to be 40-something. But uh, lovely, and she's still like, she's awesome at horror conventions from all the pictures I've seen. Loves, you know, her fans, does a good job at that, which is awesome. I like to see when people do that. Uh but anyway, there's a great. Uh, well, I skipped the. I, missed, I went over the dream sequence. After Michael escapes from the van of the uh, with the ambulance, uh, there's a creepy ass dream sequence where Daniel Harris is dreaming. Uh, she's grabbed under the bed. Michael Myers pops up, and that scene where he like pops up and then looks at the camera. That that was a scene that also scared the shit out of me as a kid when I first watched this movie. That whole little dream sequence, which this, it's kind of getting into it. This is all. This is a dream. It's also setting up the story that oh. Here's a candid shot from the first film where nobody had a camera, but like we've talked about on the podcast before, nobody could just get a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis from (laughs) any other movie, at least. Like this this shot right here. Oh, Michael's in the thing. Creepy shot. But then she's going to get grabbed under the bed uh, when he pops up and it's in in shadow. And then the lightning flash and it's lit up. Oh, shit. (laughs) Very, very effective dream sequence right here. Uh, You know, this gets creeped eight-year-old me out. Incredibly so. And right at the beginning of the movie. By the way, this whole movie is available on YouTube. So there you go. Don't don't even have to you know bother with Netflix or any of the paid services. So if you're looking for something to watch tonight, you could do worse. Yeah. You do better. You can also do worse. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, they're not at the drugstore. So here's my here's a here's what I don't understand about the film. Uh, I don't well, not that I, you know it's a I'm being facetious and nitpicking. They sell in this town ten years ago. This mass maniac killed sixteen people wearing. Basically, a painted white Mike, uh, William Shatner mask. They still sell this mask at every drugstore in town for people to buy. Like the screen mask. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in in that world, they would not sell that. Like they don't make Pogo the Clown costumes 
after John, you know, well, he made his own. Uh, uh, actually, no real serial killers wear masks, trademark masks, so. But you can wear a serial killer's face. That's true. Like, I'm sure you could find a Charles Manson mask or something. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, when. Uh, God damn it. There's really, there's no real world example, but, you know, if. Uh, I'm not thinking of anything that I can relate to it, but. Let's see. Oh, uh, they didn't sell black trench coats at Walmart after Columbine. Put it to you that way. Okay. If that makes sense. You know, you don't, yeah, we, you know, we gotta, we can't sell these right now. Uh, so they would not sell that mask there. Now, he gets the mask. It does not, now it was supposed, behind the scenes, it was supposed to be the same mask. They went to Don Post Studios who made the original William Shatner mask. They got the original William Shatner mask, which are flesh colored and blonde hair. Which there is actually one scene in this film when Donald Pleasance is at the school of a, over halfway through it looking for Michael. Michael appears, grabs him, one quick shot, grabs him and throws him. In that shot, it is an unpainted William Shatner mask. There's one scene in this film where Michael Myers is flesh-colored and blonde-haired. Nobody caught it. They're literally filming this. He walks out wearing that, and nobody says anything. They film the scene and go home. Hmm. Like what? A, what? Oh, that's like Freddy showing up without his makeup on, or like the guy playing Jason has the mask off. Like, oh, we got the scene. Good job, you know. And like, ah, oh, fuck it. Put leave it in the movie. <laughs> Big blooper. But anyway, supposedly there, there's also a great documentary on the making of this film on YouTube as well. You can watch for free. Just search "Making of Halloween 4. It's mm-hmm. got some great behind the scenes interviews. Well worth watching, uh, and you can get a lot of the facts. Most of which I'm going to repeat here. <laughs> uh, and then, but you know, you don't get my colorful commentary, sure. uh, and all that. So if you find it colorful, good for you. If you find it more monotone, there's other podcasts for you, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, you know, as a whole though, like as we talked about before during this year with sequelitis, Psycho 2, great idea for the sequel, carrying it directly from the first one into this one, into, into part two, the fly two. There's really not many other ways you could have gone. Of course, if you sat down in a room long enough, you could think of something maybe better, but that was a good one for that. What was the other one we did? Fright Night 2. Makes sense. His sister comes back, you know. So for this one, this is technically the third Michael Myers film, because again, Halloween 3, even though he does appear in a commercial, it's not technically, you know, in the Michael Myers canon. Uh, so you're on, you're on your third one here, practically. And even, well, you could technically actually call it the second one because part two, if you want to look at it that way, one and two are the same night. Two separate films, same night. If Peter Jackson did it, it would have been, you know, one film. One film. You know, I mean, they, they, Peter Jackson did before Peter Jackson was doing stuff like that, breaking stuff into all that. But of course, the original Halloween, they didn't want a sequel. It was a one and done thing, which it works brilliantly like that. Uh, you know, but also, I, I absolutely enjoy this franchise. I like every sequel. And so, like, there's something good I can point out in every sequel. Yes, even the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, but the cool thing about Halloween is, and there's a great meme going. I call it a meme, but somebody just made a graphic to where like Halloween is a choose-your-own-adventure series. You like the first one? You can stop. You're done. Do you want more of this? Well, you can watch part two. Do you want? Do you want it to be a brother-sister storyline? Watch part two, four, five, six. Do you not want it to be brother and sister? Just watch Halloween and Halloween 2018. Do you not like the first one? Then try Rob Zombies. Try Halloween 3. Do you like? Do you want it to be brother and sister, but you don't want to see the niece in 4, 5, and 6 and skip the whole Curse of Thorn stuff? Go to H2O. And then, unfortunately, Resurrection. 
So you can pick how you want this. You know, you can choose your version of the franchise practically. Yeah. Make your own Halloween, which is kind of cool. Mm. But they did not. That's it's not genius. It's just dumb luck because this franchise got off the rails real quick after this film. Mm. Real, real quick, uh, which we'll get to at a later date on the podcast because that was the last one made in the 80s because they fast-tracked five after the success of this one. And uh, we would not see the white-faced Michael Myers again until the late 90s. But as for this for this film, uh, you know, they're playing on the whole... Because Jamie is Michael's niece, so based upon part two, he's got to go kill his family. He's got to go kill little Jamie Lloyd. And that's what's disturbing about this film. He's not after a teenager, a babysitter. He's going after a little girl. Yeah. So this is Freddy Krueger territory <laughs> without the witty remarks and, uh, you know, personality to it. This is just, I'm going to murder, I, I'm going to, I'm here to murder this little girl. Anybody gets in my way. Yeah. But we talked before in the other ones how the directing really held the film back. Not so much the case in this one, I'd say. There's some great, uh, one thing about Halloween 1 and 2 is that Michael does, uh, he's not like Jason where he's just like, where are you? And he pops out and he murders you. Like Michael's there watching you stalking. Like he's going to catch you at the, at an opportune moment. And they capture that adequately in this film, I'd say. Cause the, some of the creepiest stuff in one and two is when people have a conversation. Like we've had a conversation right now. And then all of a sudden, barely in the background, if you're watching on YouTube, you're somewhere like over here or the window behind Jesse Russell ruffles and the wind blows and lightning flashes. And you see a shape behind it, you know, subtlety mm-hmm. like that to where like, if you're paying attention, you'll see him back there. You know, and some of it isn't so subtle. I'm not saying every time they show in the background it's subtle. It's not, but there there is a there is thought put into that in here to where there's a lot of there's good atmosphere. This feels like it takes place on a Halloween night. Honestly, none of the other ones really do. Five, they go to a Halloween party. I'll give it that. But you know, Halloween, he goes after them on Halloween, and this one definitely feels like this is Halloween night. Trigger treaters have gone in, and it's you know. It's more than more of more of the night he came home, so to speak. So, but anyway, it plays out really good. I mean, of course, they eventually get in the house. Michael goes straight up Terminator, killing an entire police station. So he goes full on brutal in this, as opposed to the original. And uh, but going back to his look, I want, I want to touch on that too because when I was talking about the mask, uh, like he looks inflated, like he's. Yeah, he kind of does. He well they. They didn't like how George Wilbur looked. Like they wanted to buff him up a bit, so he's wearing hockey pads under the coveralls. So that's why he has these big shoulders, and he just looks like this. So that, but honestly, if you look at Michael in Part Six, where George Wilbur's playing him again, like I mentioned earlier, much better like look to the character. This just looks like he looks weird because they wanted to be buffer and bigger. Like, well, he never was big. And then Rob Zombie takes it to the nth level, casting a wrestler as Michael Myers, which, for his film, it works because he wanted to be a big, imposing, horrible thing. Because you you see, I see Nick Castle as Michael Myers in the corner. I'm going to be freaked out. I'm like, oh, shit. I see Tyler Mayne in the corner. I'm going to be legit, like, fearing for my life. Because there's no way I could fight off Tyler Mayne. That Michael Myers. He would pick me up with one hand and just snap my neck. Nick Castle, I could at least struggle with, like Jamie Lee does in the movie. Might have a chance, but against Tyler Mayne, nope. Sabretooth mm. would rip <laughs> the shit out of me. The original Sabretooth. That's right. Although Lee Schreiber did a great job. Yeah. I wish he was in Logan. 
and not like we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So part four. I mean, it really a lot of most people. I don't want to offend. Now, I don't give a fuck about offend people, but like I want to make sure I'm, I'm clarifying my statement. If you, I like Friday the Thirteenth. I like the franchise. I like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I like the Halloween franchise. I like I mentioned before. I can find something enjoyable in all of them. Now, of course, I have my favorites. I have the ones I don't like as much. But you know, if I'm gonna, if, of course, I'm gonna watch Halloween and watch probably one or two. I mean, those are the best. Don't get me wrong. But four is a good follow up to those. Absolutely. But you, pretty much after the first two, and usually it's because of part three, which is unjustly so because you can't judge part three with anything Michael Myers in it because it's really it's it's meant to be something separate. And honestly, Halloween three is probably one of those horrific movies ever made. Millions of children's heads explode mm. with insects coming out and venomous snakes. That's got a higher body count than Jason, Freddy, or Michael, or Jigsaw, or Chucky, any of them. Like, Halloween 3 killed more children than, uh, what's a disease that kills children? Measles. (laughs) (laughs) Most diseases can kill you. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I mean, measles was nearly eradicated, and the anti-vaxxers come out and... For the Catholic Church. No. Good, good, yeah. (laughs) Blame somebody. Blame Canada. Uh, There you go. But yeah, Halloween Four. It, I mean, I, I like I like this movie a lot. The more I watch it, the more I like it because they wanted to make a sequel to Halloween with Michael Myers. And at this time, at, in 1988, again, we're past the hump of the slasher renaissance. This is coming late to the party. But I, at for the time, I think it delivers a pretty damn good slasher film. Now there is an unproduced script. I forget the name of the person who did it. You can just Google it online for like Halloween 4 original script. Uh, I don't know the name. They're much better. They're de- podcasts dedicated to the Halloween franchise that can tell you all this. Look them up. Uh, Dennis something. So, that sounds like familiar. Dennis uh, Etchison. Yeah, I recognize the last name. Etchison. But the script for that one, it's surreal. It's got, I mean, it's just, it's it was too ambitious for the time. But it was more about... You know, basically Halloween 1 and 2 happened, but Michael's not in it. It's more like just the town, his evil permeates the town. So it's a very, very unique, it's a good read, if you like reading screenplays. Uh, But, I mean, the theater of the mind comes into play when you're reading it, but uh, it's it's really interesting and original. It'd be nice, it'd be amazing if they just do that. Like somebody Mm -hmm. just, let's adapt that script and do something in the vein of the anthology stuff, but we already know that's not going to happen because Halloween 2018 was a success. So now we got Halloween kills next year. And then I think the next year after that Halloween ends. So, but it's not going to end because if Halloween ends makes $200 million again, like part one, the 2018 one did, they're going to do something and bring it back, which I'm all about as long as they, you know, you know, uh, Halloween, uh, Halloween five, not so good. Spoiler alert. They're just like, okay, quick sequel. However, as a kid, when you're watching, there was few things were more exciting than watching a a slash a horror movie sequel in the '80s, in the into the '90s too. With Scream, like it, you know, it's like, oh, I love Scream. Then two comes out, I'm like, eh, and then three, oh, you know, I mean, the the sequel, the sequelitis was in the '80s. Now, of course, the Universal Monsters, they had plenty of sequels to those too. 
But again, 12, 11 sequels to Friday the 13th, uh, seven of them which came out in the 80s, and actually the one through eight were all in the 80s. So, I mean, again, that was more, that was almost one every year for the decade that we had a Friday the 13th film, Uh, which is why that was... The slasher was king. It made money. That's why you had Nightmare on Elm Street. They wanted a sequel. First one made money, which I'm glad they did because we got part three and four out of it, and five and six. I like them all. Uh, of course, six. It's it's a weak link or a weak finger blade, finger knife, whatever you want to call it. But still, it's for what it is. Hand. It's enjoyable. Uh, if you like these movies. Of course, you talk shit about them. You know, the Rob Zombie one's not my cup of tea. Did not like what they did with the franchise. Uh, I appreciate the ambition and the uniqueness of part two, his part two. Uh, once you know the backstory, it's, it's a lot more interesting. And because uh, in the first, his first Halloween, they wanted like pretty much they wanted him to redo the first one. Like Rob, you got to do a remake, which is why basically he was doing it. He did the backstory stuff, which I thought was stupid. That was just me because you you should you don't explain these characters. If right. somebody is evil, unless they're Magneto to where you want people to relate to them, mm-hmm. you don't have to explain anything. The the killer is just evil and then at the end it's like, "Why are you doing this?" They either don't say anything or it's like, "You killed my father" or you know, whatever or like you turned I your back on me in high school yeah. or you know, some little simple thing that just set this person off cuz they're fucking crazy. That's what's scary. They're crazy. You can't help it. You don't explain evil. That's the number one rule. And I, I want to say Donald Pleasant even said that on the set of the original Halloween to John Carpenter. And we're talking and we're talking like about maybe like Revealing some things or something. I want to say that he's like Donald Pleasant actually kind of mentioned that to him. It's like, you know, don't explain it. Don't explain the evil. It's scarier that way. And that's absolutely true. It doesn't have the effect on us if you're supposed to feel for this character. Like, oh, he got abused as a kid. Yes, that does suck, but he still murdered 16 people as an adult. That doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't make, that doesn't, you, that makes him less scary. That takes it away. Like, oh, you're not scary anymore. Well, you're, it's still scary if I'm being murdered by you. Don't get me wrong or stalked by you. But it's not It's not the same. There's now now a, a piece of the, the mystery's gone. The the suspense, all that's just like, you just pop that balloon. Mm-hmm. You pop that red little Pennywise balloon. <laughs> it's done. Don't explain it. He's he's just fucked up. Let, let people read into it what they want to. That's... That's what's genius. That's why you have the ending of Inception. Did the top stop? Did it not? It's how do you read into it? How do you interpret that ending? This is the third or fourth week in a row where we uh, attack Rob Zombie, right? Well, I mean, that's because, you know, Free From Hell came out. We're talking about it and all that. Like I said, I've seen every one of his films. Sure. And honestly, I harp on Rob Zombie. To be honest, I think he, I think he has a fan. I think he has an amazing film in him somewhere. But again, he doesn't need to write, direct, do the soundtrack, do like everything because, in yeah. my opinion, Tarantino can do that, 100%. But also, I believe Tarantino shouldn't act in his films. Yeah, that's true. That's his, that's his like, he's he not a good actor. Like a sore thumb. Yeah, oh, uh, Django Unchained? Good yeah. God. That's why, in Hateful Eight, he's just the narrator. Fine with it. <laughs> I like that better. You know, uh, it works that way. But Zombie has a great. He's a good director. He's a. I think I. I. I'd say in some aspects he's a great director. He's he's a horrible screenwriter. 
He needs to, here's an idea I have. Let me let this person who can write dialogue that doesn't involve fucking this fucking fucking shit, motherfucker, you fucking fucker fuck. Yeah. You know, that's Rob Zombie dialogue. You know, that's absolutely like no, no, no family talks like that at a, at a breakfast table. See Halloween one where every member of the families that that's five minute scene has more fucks than the entire movie of Scarface. Of course, that's facetiousness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get the gist. Uh, and don't, you know, I will say this in three from hell, Sherry Moon Zombie was great. Like as far as, as far as she goes on her scale, I still don't, th- I mean, she's a decent actress. I'll give her that, but don't cast, don't cast your wife and everything. Go, you know, direct something, bring your vision to this story, but it's not your story. I mean, make it visually your story, how you see it, but please just don't do the dialogue. That's so that's my, there you go. End of rant for Rob Zombie for this week. There you go. But yeah, but anyway, part four ends ambiguously. Uh, the redneck, uh, well, what you call it, posse, brigade, whatever, uh, mil- militia, that's a, redneck militia gets together. We're going to go kill Michael Myers. Well, they shoot him and he falls down a well. Mm. Maybe they throw dynamite down it and boom, oh, it's over. No. Now, here's where the movie, this movie has balls. Because they, at this point, okay, maybe they did kill off Michael Myers. Of course, they, it's, amb- it's still ambiguous, don't get me wrong. Especially after he's hit by a car, takes a whole bunch of bullets. Obviously, how can he be alive? Whatever. But then it ends with, oh, they're back. Everything, they think everything's fine. Jamie's safe. Well, then Jamie kills her mother at the end of this film. And then it ends. It's a pretty haunting ending. She's at the stairs mirroring the uh, the beginning of Halloween 1 with Michael Myers in the clown costume with the knife. And she's holding, I think, scissors, I think she had in this one. And just covered in blood, and Loomis just going, no, no, like it's, oh, it's you know now now she now the evil, the evil has moved, you know, ballsy ass ending. Mm-hmm. First five seconds of part five, They're take it all back. Oh, the mother survived, and Jamie's a mute. She's not a murderer anymore. Oh. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen this. I should have said that <laughs> earlier. But again, this movie came out in '88. You should have seen it by now, especially if you're a horror fan. Oh, they could have took it a whole new direction. Exactly. Five could have been like them trying not to make her a serial killer. However, with part at this point in time, I, you got again. Why is Scarlett Johansson a ghost in the shell? A because the character does is supposed to look Caucasian, but you know all that hubbub about that. You know, uh, cast this person as this character, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It has to be everything in every movie is made to make money. Yep. And Halloween 3, at the time, did not make money. Why? Because Michael Myers, or Michael Myers, was not in it. If you look at uh, the Friday 13th series, at this time, in 88, nobody nobody cared for Part 5 at this point, because Jason was not in it. So what happened in Part 6? Big, big marquee on the poster, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. The Return of Box Office Profits. Yeah. Money lives, in Jason's case. <laughs> that, that is why. Because they knew they, they it's not about telling a good story in Hollywood. Sorry to burst your, your boulevard of non-broken dreams yet because, you, oh, they're going to make great movies and they do it because they want to be on the side of right. No, they want to make fucking money. 
That's why every single movie you see that's not doesn't say Fox Searchlight Pictures or isn't direct to Netflix or even those now. Or you know you have to go search them out on VOD because they didn't get any kind of publicity. Uh, is out there. You know it's rare to find those films like that that aren't super mass produced simply to make money, and it's mainly because now Disney owns everything. So everything's going to be... That's why the Marvel movies are so formulaic because it's going to fit this formula. We're going to tie these threads together. We're going to make a shit ton of money again and again and again and again. That's that's the only reason any of this stuff gets made. That's why when somebody does something... Again, that, I give this movie full credit. Like, that ending, awesome. Ending of Halloween 1, one of the best ever. Ending of Halloween 4, eh, it might be one of my in my top 10 of horror movie endings. I don't know. I have to sit down and really think about all of them. Right. You know, but what a great, like, holy shit. Yeah. Great moment. And then immediately, immediately in the next movie, one year later, nah, bruh, Michael's alive. <laughs> and that movie, that part five is when it goes off the rails for the series. You know, again, don't, if you don't like part three, you can't say it went off the rails of part three because Michael Myers, it's not about Michael Myers. You got Halloween one, two, and four. As those three tell a pretty good story. If I want to choose my own adventure, that'd be a good one. Five, you get into the Mark of Thorn. That's when you start getting to the, you know, the revenge of Michael Myers, where he's obviously Superman wearing a mask and with no tongue because he can't talk, all that stupid shit. And then in the part six, which I would say is underrated for just being a, it's dated by its music, which H2O, a lot of people I see online say, oh, H2O is so great. Go watch H2O. Now, (laughs) any movie that that puts a Creed song in it does not hold up well. (laughs) I'm just saying... Um, uh, I mean, H2O, like, don't get me wrong, when H2O came out, huge deal. Huge. Perfect. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be terrific. We're going to put a wall around the market thorn. There's not going to be a market thorn. It's going to be fantastic. H2O comes out. Jamie Lee's coming back. They're ignoring everything after part two. Okay, I'm, all, I'm in. Absolutely. Okay, you know, the second reboot, arguably, so to speak, of the franchise at this point. Uh, Mass looks like garbage. The dude playing Michael Myers is obviously not a 40-year-old or 50-year-old person because Jamie Lee, I think her character's supposed to be in her 40s, you know, mid-40s maybe. Michael Myers is obviously somebody 20 years old. The mask looks like shit. It's not the same mask, which uh, that's what I always, of course, you know, Rob Zombie's came on after this, but, you know, I, I love the idea that Michael hid the mask in the house so he knew that when he would come back out, he was going to take that mask and put it on. And that's why it's all ratty and looking in his, which I thought was a great idea. Awesome idea, Rob. One of your few good ones uh, in terms of that movie, I should say. And then they basically did that with 2018. The mat, you know, Even though latex ages terribly and just disintegrates and falls apart. Uh, on a previous episode, we showed what the mask looked like nowadays. And that's not a, ma- a mask doesn't age like a person like in 2018 where it gets all wrinkled. And Although, nevertheless, in 2018, Halloween, it's a great visual. It looks cool. The mask is aged. It's a movie. Let it go. I'm cool with it. But that's my big... Like, of course, the hockey mask changes for Jason. But one thing that is consistent in that series is that after part three, where he gets the axe wound in his head, yeah. every mask after it, even though if it might change a bit, there is an axe wound in it. After he gets the front part like chopped off in part six, seven... Uh, actually, eight, I think... Eight might not have that detail of the uh, the side of his face missing. I think it has the axe, axe wound, axe wound. Let's see, where's eight? Let's see. Okay, eight does have it. Oh, it does have a little. Okay, it's right there next to Uber Jason. 
No, no, hold on. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it wrong. It's up there on the second row. Or we're not, well, actually, y'all can't see this on YouTube yeah. or. But yeah, the part eight one doesn't have the. It has the I'm axe. Trying one. to bring it up, but. Uh, it has the axe one, but it does not have the uh, motorboat damage from part at the end of part six. Part seven does, but part eight doesn't. So, but again, and then in part nine they do bring back that damage and a little bit in ten before he gets turned in the Uber Jason. There it is. So, but uh, as a whole, they maintain what the mask pretty much for the most part looks like. It, it references everything. The Halloween series part two uses the part two is the original mask from the original Halloween. It was in a shoebox under Deborah Hill's bed. She was a heavy smoker. So it's, it's disfigured. It's discolored. It looks bad. It obviously doesn't look like it's the same night, but it's still the same mask and it still looks terrifying. Uh, part four, they tried to reproduce the mask failed. The eye holes are weird looking. It's, there's no detail in it where it looks like that shape, you know, the shape of evil. I mean, it still looks creepy when it's lit, you know, in certain ways. Like I said, the black eye, or you can't see the eyes. That's kind of the key for me to makes it, that makes it creepy. Uh, and then five, that mask looks terrible. H uh, six, it's it's better than five, better than four, I'd say. And then H two O, it looks like the department store one that you would get. That obviously is just some I don't know some random ass mask. Uh, that basically Spencer's gifts would sell at that time. Horrible looking mask. Same thing with Resurrection. And then I like what Zombie did with the mask, and I like what they did in the the new one. Uh, to where like, God, they look so bad. <laughs> they just get so stupid looking. Especially God. <laughs> oh man, sorry everybody for yawn. <laughs> uh, I was up late late last night. Uh, it was watching. It was seeing these masks. Yeah, just like, oh, like, yawn. You had to yawn just not to puke. I had to keep it down. Keep it all down. So here it's coming up on the feed. Up. Right. right. Of course, you can't see it if you listen. We just Google it. Yeah, sure. You'll see, a, you'll see kind of what we're talking about. The evolution about. of the Halloween mask. But yeah, as you can see, if you're watching visually, it's just downhill after the first two. And then it picks up at the end. Although Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, where we start seeing his face... Not the best idea because that again we that it's not you don't need to see his face that's not what we want to see it's about what's behind that mask and it's supposed to be evil which is why evil doesn't have a backstory it's just there why did this why did Michael Myers kill his sister because she was there or why did he kill his babysitters because they were there that's all you need so bottom line Halloween four the return of Michael Myers good sequel is it the best Halloween sequel sequel so a lot of people think so. Bar none. However, you know, I wouldn't say it's the best because I think Halloween 2, I, I, again, I've said it before when we reviewed Halloween 2 on this podcast, Halloween 2 picks up literally the second after Loomis looks down and Michael Myers is not there. So if you have to have a sequel to the original Halloween, which is still, that ending is one of the greatest endings of all time, bar none. Fight me if you want to. Mm. It is Halloween 2. Picks up right where it left off. He's still out there. Fine. The sister angle didn't bother me the first time I saw it. It didn't bother me and you know, really never didn't bother me at all until they really try to make it about the cult in part six. But that's a story for 90s Revisited if we ever get that far. <laughs> so I say check it out. Halloween 4 is fantastic. It's, and it's a, it's a good one to watch if you want to do a triple feature. One, two, four. Or you can just watch one and then four. You don't even have to watch two. Well, no, take it back. You have to watch two because you have to know it's the sister. Because that's a key point in this one. But uh, usually the four, five, and six get a lot of hate, mainly again because three at that time failed. So 
bring back Michael. Oh, they, a lot of people don't like it. But I would say the first four Halloween films, especially, oh, let me phrase that, three and four aged exceptionally well. They hold up. Five is still like, eh, God, there's so many like stinky moments in the film. But again, there's still some good ones. Six, I think that's hated on way too much for what it is. I think it, I think it holds up aside from the music. H2O the same way. Uh, H2O just the mask and the music just, I'm immediately taken back to the sitting in the Tinseltown Theater in Baton Rouge in 98 or, yeah, 98, I guess, when it came out. And just like, I'm immediately taken back because of the music. And it's just like, this is so 90s. This is, it cannot be separated from that. Mm. Halloween 4, aside from nobody has an iPhone, that kind of thing, you know, it, ha- it has a bit of that anachronistic quality to it, so to speak. Uh, there's not, well, the phone lines are dead, so, you know, that that notwithstanding, uh, the music, you know, there's there's not, no licensed music in it that I can think of that, like, I mean, it's like, oh, shit, we're, it's this. Yeah. Put you in a time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in it from the opening shots, which are fantastic, aside from the mountains in the background. Illinois doesn't have any mountains because they filmed this in Salt Lake City with the Rockies in the background and a couple of the opening shots. <laughs> uh, notwithstanding, you know, it, 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 from the get-go, this film captures the feeling of fall. And I really appreciate that. So good job with the cinematography and the directing, which I think is the only time I've given a, a movie for sequelitis this year. Credit for the directing is for this one. Uh, Little did a good job. For sure. Although his career, his post-Halloween 4 career doesn't really say much for what he did because there was nothing really standout-ish about it. But nevertheless, uh, some of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, Jamie's name in the original script was Brittany, but it was changed in an homage to, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Daniel Harris wouldn't be... uh, I thought, again, you, you always hear... That horror fans are some of the nicest people. You know, we love watching people get cut up and ripped apart and eaten by animals of all sorts of shapes and sizes and dismembered and all that stuff. But horror fans tend to be some of the nicest people you ever see, as do a lot of the actors. Uh, you know, the people that play these murderers tend to be some of the nicest people you ever meet. And uh, so Daniel, Daniel Harris wouldn't get scared. George P. Wilbur would pretty much take his mask up between takes, like, you know, hey, it's just a movie. I'm just going to pretend to do this, which. You know, I don't know. I'm assuming he's probably a dad. Good dad move. You know, you don't method act with a with a eight year old girl like and just you know stare at her and like have like you know your handler come like keep you off of her between takes. You don't method act like that. <laughs> you know, so good job, George Wilbur. Uh, and we came. You can't see it if you're listening, but I'm doing that. You know, almost the world's tiniest violin little right. gap. We came this close to having Clarissa explains it all. Involving Michael Myers. Clarissa explains Michael Myers because Melissa Joan Hart auditioned for the role of Jamie. Mm. And all I can say is thank the Lord for small mercies because I could not see that. Because <laughs> like I said, the acting in this is really good. Most of the actors in this are fantastic. Uh, Daniel Harris, for a child actress, awesome. Like I'm really shocked that she didn't have a bigger career from this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she did a couple of things. She did uh, Last Boy Scout, Always Comes to Mind. Uh, with Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. And then, uh, of course, she returned to horror with the Hatchet series in that one. They're trying to get another one off the ground, which, great. She, I mean, she's a screen queen, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So uh, the girl uh, who drove Rachel and Jamie to the uh, Vincent's drugstore was actually going to be revealed to be Lindsay Wallace from Halloween 1 and have a larger part in the film as Rachel's friend and helping her babysit, but that was cut for budget reasons. Also, the third unnamed character that's hanging out in the drugstore is actually meant to be Tommy Doyle, who would later go on to be Sir Paul Rudd in Part 6. 
And, of course, in the now sequel to Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, they are bringing back the original girl who played Lindsay Wallace in the original Halloween. And then uh, Anthony Michael Hall is playing Tommy Doyle in the new one. Mm. So going to be interesting to see how they bring them back in. But I like 2018, aside from the Dr. Zartain, uh, unnecessary plot point. So I'm excited for the sequels. Bar none. But uh, series creator John Carpenter, he wrote a treatment for part four that had a more ghostly psychological approach to the Michael Myers mythos. It concerned the town of Haddonfield and what affected what the effect the events of the first two films had on its citizens. It was rejected for the, by the producers because they wanted a typical slasher movie. And at this part, point, Carpenter bailed out of the film, uh, making the first one in the series have zero participation for him. Pretty much Mustafa Akkad bought him and Deborah Hill's stake in the franchise out from them. And he had, Mustafa Akkad is when had complete creative control. Which he made some money off of it. I give him that, and we got one, two, you know, several sequels out of it that we didn't have before. So that's kind of the good thing. But with this series, like I said, is just so it's like a pu- you have a puzzle in a box with all the pieces, and you just dump them out. That's this series. <laughs> Whereas if you jump out the Friday Thirteenth series, there's some pieces that are together already in the box right. that fit. You know, mm-hmm. bigger pieces that fit. Mm-hmm. Nightmares continuity flows pretty damn good through those you know as by comparison this series is just a mess mm. they paint themselves into a corner and then they just they quickly paint over that with something else and then it ages and the the, the other paints come through and they keep having to repaint and like redo stuff and introduce concepts that are never explained or just left completely open which is why you had to you had to have h2o at that point it's like what do we do also donald <laughs> pleasant died they had to kind of get away from that character at that point yeah until uh, of course zombies recast them i mentioned before the drugstore this it was called vincent drugstore or just the vincent drugstore uh that jamie buys a costume at is actually seen also in not only the sandlot as a, a store that smalls is on his way to for the first time it was also used in the tv adaptation of the stand directed by mick garris so it's a very I'm not sure. If it's, I don't think it's on a back lot. I couldn't find any information on that. So it's just a popular location somewhere, probably because it was vintage look to oh, yeah. be used for a lot of productions. And we're not talking like a whole bunch of years between these. This was 88. Sandlot was 93. The Stand was probably mid-90s after the success of It. That's when we had all the Stephen King miniseries. Like once a year, it seemed, on TV, we'd have It, Tommy Knockers, The Stand, The Langoliers, all that fun stuff. Uh, and this is, uh, speaking of Ellie Cornell, love her performance in this as well. Uh, during the rooftop scene near the climax where they chase, where Michael chases them up to the roof, of course, instead of going out the, the first floor, uh, instead of getting out of a first floor window, everybody always goes to the roof of a house when somebody's chasing them. Yeah. And this is a very, very tall house. Uh, if you fall from it, you would die. Although, never mind, doesn't happen to the human people in this film. But uh, there's a scene where uh, Rachel and um, Jamie slide down. Actually, you're watching right there. Where they, like, slide down. And there was a protruding nail on one of the shingles. And Uh, Ellie Cornell... Now, the description of it is tore her stomach open. Right. She did not tear her stomach open with her entrail. Like, you know, something out of a Saw movie or the beginning of Scream where her guts are hanging on. She's screaming, pushing them back in, screaming, Mama! That was a Saving Private Ryan reference. Uh, You know, with a big gash, had to go get some stitches... You know, but came you think right they back. Check that stuff. What's that? You think they check that stuff? Some <laughs> production designer. Oh yeah, it's like a couple okay, of good where, wax will do it. It's like where are you sliding? That path? Okay, let's check that path. <laughs> no, well, just wing it. Who knows? 
Damn. But anyway, she came back the same day, finished the scenes. So, a fucking trooper, as far as I'm concerned. Stuffed all of her entrails back into her guts. Yeah. <laughs> well, she just ate them. Yeah, she just ate them. They'll go back to the place. Or, you know, she took a stapler, a little yeah. desktop stapler, duct tape. <laughs> so, I already mentioned there's a scene where... Uh, there's a mask with blonde hair that appears, which is a huge goof. I still don't understand. Mike, George Wilbur comes on the set wearing a, and they give him a pink mask, flesh tone mask to wear instead of the white one. And nobody thinks like, hey, that's the wrong mask, dude. It's like the scenes in Orgasmo where the stand oh, comes yeah. in. You're catching the stunt doubles. <laughs> or that. That too. Yeah. I mean, you could have just not even had the mask on or, or you could have at least just, oh, oh shit, we don't have the right mask tonight for this shoot. Maybe it was second unit. I don't know. No, they talk about yeah. it a bit on the documentary. I don't remember the excuse. They, I think the excuse was, oh, it was late at night. We were, like, filming for 14 hours. Michael Myers has to have his mask. Yeah. That's kind of the point of the movie. Why would you even have the other one? Because they had extras just to paint. in uh, case. The, you know. But, however, why are these already done? So, oh, shit, we ripped the mask in this take. Here's the backup. Here's the next backup. For whatever reason, somebody fucked up. <laughs> I eventually wore hockey pads. Uh, Wilbur wore uh, hockey pads under his ar- uh, armor, under his jumpsuit to make him more imposing, quote unquote. And then it was uh, the guy that played him in part five, uh, Don Shanks, I believe his name. He looks much more proportionate in that one because he was bulky enough. And if you see him, there's a I think a horrors hollow grounds with Sean Clark on YouTube where he goes with Dan. I think it's Dan Clark. Is that his name? Don Shanks. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, to the house from Halloween Five, and like you see, like Don Shanks is uh, pretty Dan. Yeah, Don. I'm sorry, Don Shanks. If I get his name right, which I did, and I correct myself for no reason, he's pretty built, so he didn't have to have that like bulky look. Even though George Wilbur, if you look at him in Part Six, he's got like why make Michael this awkward butterball-looking character? Mm. It does add to the creepiness though, because he looks just so odd. But nevertheless, you, when you pay attention to it, it's like that's just weird. He looks like the penguin. With that bulbous body and the arms and legs sticking out of it. Uh, there was actually a scene. Danny DeVito is Michael Myers. <laughs> no, I want to be the trash man. I don't want to be Michael Myers. I want to eat trash. <laughs> I can just see him. Danny DeVito, like, he's so short with a mask. It looked like the scene from Rob Zombie's Halloween, to bring that up again, in the beginning where the kid's wearing the Michael Myers or the mask. And he's like too small for it, so he's walking down the hallway with this too big mask, and that's that would be Danny DeVito. <laughs> and of course, Tim Burton would have to direct this version of it, and Danny DeVito would have a top hat on, on top of his Michael Myers mask, because every movie that Danny DeVito is in with Tim Burton, he always has a top hat. Have you done Check any Danny DeVito movies? Have you what? Have you done any oh, Danny DeVito? Oh, the DeVito? podcast? I don't think so. Interesting. Of all of the ones that exist in the 80s. Well, Twins is a big one, obviously. Yeah, I guess he was coming up in TV at the time. Ruthless People's great. Throw on from the train, hilarious. Of course, he was mainly in comedies, and of course, oh, Jewel of the Nile, which I plan to. Oh wait, no, yeah, we're dancing the stone. That's coming. Okay. Yeah, because I plan to do that a while back, but you know, <laughs> but babies have it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> funny how it hasn't come up. That's all. Well, I mean, like I said, he, he was. Ladies was him. Like that was him getting into film. Yeah. And then, of course, now he's also named because of. Let's see. Go. I'm just Taxi looking. was his breakout, I think. Yeah, on TV, of course. And then, but uh, I guess because I'm just looking at his box office. Like, what was his big movie that kind of like made him in the '80s? Yeah, I mean, Ruthless People was a pretty. I was him, Bette Midler. Throw him off on the train. I was him, Billy Crystal, and then Twin. I guess maybe 
I guess just those comedies between 86 and 87. Quiet growth, I guess. Yeah, and then just everybody, eventually everybody knew him from Taxi, I guess. Right. And then it was just like, oh, DeVito's in this. Yeah. Oh, he's actually a good actor. He's funny. Let's yeah. put him in this. And then, well, because I was going to say Batman Returns, but I mean, Terms that's, of endearment. that's more so for uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. That's why for that film. But anyway, that's uh, for 90s Revisited. Yeah. Anyway, there was a scene filmed to actually bridge part two and four. It was a flashback to the finale of part two, and there was a scene where Loomis is being tended to by paramedics. When he sees the burning body of the shape, Loomis exclaims to the EMS technicians to let him burn! But they douse the flaming body of Myers to the better judgment against the better judgment of Loomis, which is stupid because the explosion in part two blows the doors off this room. No human in there... Could Loomis have survived? I guess he could have survived. Sur- like, however, he would not just have this slight little burn on his cheek, you know, like horrible. Like his and it, it, the burn on his face changes like every scene that he's in in this film. It looks weak, like like an egg in one scene, then it's just flat. Then some scenes almost like he doesn't even have it on there. It's just hilarious to me. But uh, but again, they the movie every movie gets at least one pass on something for the sake of it being a movie. Yeah. So, but that scene would have just that would have brought more attention to the fact that there's no way in hell either of them could have survived that explosion. <laughs> so, uh, this was the first time in the, any of the movies where Michael Myers is credited as Michael Myers, as in George P. Wilbur played Michael Myers. In the first two, he was the shape because he is the shape of evil. It's what he's originally intended to be. Not explained, Rob Zombie. Mm. Anyway, uh, when Lewis asked for Sheriff Brackett at the police station, the deputy says that Brackett retired in 81, and that's referencing the year of Halloween 2's release in which Sheriff Brackett was last seen. Although supposedly in the new Halloween film, Halloween Kills, Sheriff Brackett's back. So they're doing they're good. I think they're doing a good job of having that, that nostalgia just coming back for this sequel because they're, they're bringing back the original Lindsay, they're bringing back Sheriff Brackett, they're bringing back Tommy Doyle, not the original, but nevertheless a good actor to portray that character. Should have got Paul Rudd, would have been fantastic to tie it in. Or even, uh, you know, they still are, I still think it's like, get Danielle Harris back some in some capacity. Like she could have been Lindsay, although it's cool having the original girl that played Lindsay. However, she's on like the Desperate Housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever the hell those shows are called. So she's not exactly an actress. Well, I guess she is. She's on a reality TV show, so she probably is a rea- uh, an actress. But, you know, that would have Lindsay in it, but it could have been Danielle Harris. So you're tying, you're tying in the Jamie Lloyd series. You're tying in, you know, Paul Rudd. Of course, I'm sure they probably don't want to pay Paul Rudd to be in it because he's making that Marvel money. Although Paul Rudd's in everything anyway still. It seems like all these Netflix originals and he just pops up all over the place. So they probably could have got him. Yeah. I mean, she's not really an actress. Kyle, or I guess Kylie Richards, I would assume, is probably how she pronounces it, but it's spelled like Kyle. I would say Kyle, just to force her to change it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's in a lot of uh, talk show stuff. stuff. In the days of our lives a little bit. So, I mean, I haven't seen any of her other stuff to be honest right. with you, but I'm just assuming that since she's not in a whole bunch, wasn't in a whole bunch of stuff after that, that this is, you know, maybe it's just a brief scene and Michael gets her or something for some reason. I don't know. We'll find out this time next year. But hmm. anyway, uh, so, so they said that, uh, you know, as they were working on this film, they had to do something to acknowledge the improbability of Loomis's survival. So they compromised and gave him some burn scars, which we talked about. Oh, I forgot about this. So the reason his scar changed, or like the effect, the appliance on his face changes, is because his girlfriend at the time kept saying, it looks stupid, it looks stupid. So finally, Pleasance was like, this looks stupid, fix, like, do something different. 
So they did, and they refilmed some of the scenes. However, some of them weren't reshot, so that's why his scar. That's actually why the the, uh, the scarring seems to change from shot to shot in some of the scenes. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, Tom Morga early was Michael Myers with the face wrapped up, uh, and then after they do kind of the rough cut of the film. Uh, the producers, Mustafa Akkad, they thought, oh, this movie's too soft, it's too tame, we need more blood. So they brought in special effects expert John Carl Buechler, who recently passed away, and also the director of Friday the 13th Part 7, for an, an, a kind of a day of extra blood filming. So the thumb in the forehead and the redneck getting his head, basic, or fake neck and jaw like ripped off by Myers on top of the truck were added in, uh, after a rough cut of the film was done to basically art it up, so to speak. Mm. Jesse, I've neglected to ask you because I keep forgetting to do that. Have you ever seen this film? I've seen quite a bit of it today. There you go. So you've seen enough. Guess the, would, you like, would you care to do a guess for the body count? Oh, based on what I've seen, six? Probably, price is right. You probably would have lost. I imagine the other ah. contestant would have probably gone higher than six. 19, including a dog. Whoa. So he's one and two with 16, as we heard in the intro, in the intro of this film. He doubled it. I missed a lot then in watching it here on YouTube. Well, we didn't see that there, you know, he massacres a police station somehow. Oh, right. Yeah. So, and he kills uh, the rednecks in the truck. Uh, but this is the second, this is the third best truck fight sequence uh, for movies that are cherished on this podcast. The second being the Monster Squad with the mummy. And number one being the immortal Ernest Scared Stupid where he fights Trantor the Troll. Not an 80s film, I know. However, still the best back of the truck fight sequence in a film. That I can think of off the top of my head involving monsters. Right. Uh, so that's definitely number one. Always got to bring Ernest into it somehow. <laughs> Score wise, I'd give this film a 7.5. I think it's a good sequel to the first two. If you, if you look at this series chronologically, one, two, you know, one, you could have been done. After two, you could have been done. Three, oh, a new beginning. Pardon the Friday 13th pun. It ended. You didn't need a sequel to part three or people cleaning up kids' brains and insects. Where they needed external, you you would have your career, your business would have exploded. Yeah, because all of us people that had kids get their heads exploded with all the insects and bugs. You have to go exterminate. So you'd be you'd be making bank off that tragedy. <laughs> but you know, so at this point, they want to bring Michael Myers back. This is what you know they could have gone obviously some other ways, but for what they went with at this time chronologically, it's a great sequel in my opinion. Uh, I don't think it goes off the rails really. Until after this one, where they have the ballsy ending of this one, and then pretty much say, "Nope, we gotta have Michael Myers back. We can't have somebody who's not Michael Myers doing the killing." Yeah. So we have the revenge of Michael Myers, then the curse of Michael Myers, then H two O, then resurrection, then Rob Zombie. Now this new trilogy. Mm -hmm. So, however, I'm not complaining because I like the fact that they're still making at least one of the king of the one of the slashers, classic slashers, is still getting their movies made. So. Which surprised me because with the whole Friday the 13th rights issues going on, like, oh shit, Victor, uh, Sean, the new Halloween movie is now the most profitable slasher movie of all time. We need to get a Friday the 13th movie out ASAP so we can make $200 million. They don't care. They're no. still going to fight over this other stuff. Strike while the iron is hot. Uh, in, in a strange enough inverse way from the 80s, in this, you know, Hope I'm, I'm. It isn't happening yet. I'm hoping, but this sort of slasher is starting up again. Two announced sequels to Halloween. That means we're having two classic slasher movie, classic character slasher movies come out in the next couple of years. 
Jump on it, Nightmare. Jump, get on it, Friday the 13th. Don't dilly-dally like this series did, releasing a sequel in 88 and missing the train. You got to get on it now. We need a new Friday the 13th, and it's going to be the 13th one, so make it a good one. Nightmare Robert England said after uh, the Goldberg episode, after doing that one, he's like, you know, maybe I do have one more in me. Do it now before he backs out of it because that's yeah. the problem with, with, with Nightmare. I understand their hesitation. Because Jackie Earl Haley, I think he did a great job, mm-hmm. but you can't, that's a big glove to fill. Yeah. You know, he had two fingers in that five finger glove trying to fill. Great job, but to follow England's portrayal, you, some, they need to, they need, I don't know, I can't even name who they could do. England said he would like Kevin Bacon to do it. I can see that, but I think mm-hmm. that would be a little bit more of the Haley route. Like, that would be a scarier Freddie. But England's Freddy is, it operates because he's funny and then he's terrifying. And I I know there's somebody out there that can do it. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Mm. McAvoy, maybe? Because, I mean, Oh, he's shown his size. Like to where, but I mean, has he really done comedy? Because that's, I think that's, that's a key point of it. Robert England is a funny guy. He can make you laugh, and then he can scare you in the next second, and that's the key. I th- I mean, there's a lot of people that could do it, I'm sure, but you know, it ha- if they're, if you're going to bring back Nightmare without Robert England, you know that I do not envy the actor who they cast. But I know there's somebody out there that could do it, so we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see. Although Robert England said he's got, he thinks he could do one more. There's actually uh, I don't know if it was a abandoned script for. for for one of the sequels of Nightmare or something. I heard it on another podcast, but there was an idea for a, a modern a reboot of Nightmare. So basically the overall premise is almost like a horror anthology movie, but mm-hmm. it's basically kids in uh, Springwood talking about, hey, like, oh, you, like, they're talking about the Freddy legend. Like one kid tells a story like, no, Freddy's like this. And then you, you're watching the segment. Like it's like, that's not, my brother told me it was like this. And then you, then you watch that segment that's different, different Freddy's, sort of like the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus because Heath Ledger died. So you have these different, you know, they write in how he's changing his appearance. But then one kid, when the littlest kid or whoever's like, well, my dad or brother said it was this, you know, or this is, or like maybe an old man's walking by and like, oh, you kids are talking about Freddy Krueger. Well, this is how it really happened. <laughs> and in that story, then it's Robert England. Yeah. You know, so that, and then like, that's sort of the wink at the camera, like at the end of Freddy versus Jason, where it's like, oh, you know, that, that is the real one. And that, and then what, and A, great way to bring back the franchise, I think. B, a great send off for Robert England as the character to like then open the door. And then also, guess what you get to do? Depending on how many kids, however you do the script, you can have two or three other people playing Freddy as well to see which one you can get, you basically can kind of cheat. For who would be the next Freddy mm-hmm. by casting some big names as Freddy in those other roles to see which one tends to, which which actor or actress could be Frederica. I don't, it's 2019. <laughs> you could do something with it. I'm open for it. You just have to cast it well. It's about the actor. Nightmare on Elm Street is a successful series. Uh, well, the first one was successful because obviously it was original. It's fantastic, imaginative well-acted, well-directed, etc. The sequels are good because of Robert England. Absolutely. And of course, Craven comes back for three, comes back for New Nightmare. They're great. You know, he's he, he's got some good stuff. But Freddy was the slasher that people went to see the slasher. 
you see a Jason movie, you want to, and, and Christopher Glover is an annoying motherfucker. You want him to die. You want in the Friday in Nightmare in uh, Halloween, they try to do character development, but they still line up the fodder for because you know he's going to live and you know he's going to die. You go see a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You do go to see the kills because they're imaginative and creative and creepy. But you also go to to watch Robert England eat the scenery like a fucking Thanksgiving turkey because that's what that character is. That's the enjoyment in a nightmare series. That's what set. That's why it's so different. He's almost not even a slasher. It's almost wrong to put him in there. I mean, it is. It is correct. Don't get me. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it's so. He's the only one that talks. Unless you want to count Billy and Black Christmas, but that's a one-off movie. See, Black Christmas is a funny series. Speaking of that, quick tangent. Uh, Black Christmas, you have the original, fantastic, creepy-ass movie. But then you have a reboot. And then this year, you're getting another reboot. So both sequels to Black Christmas, there's three in the franchise. Every one of them is a reboot, to the, or aside from the original. Uh, you know, but so in terms of like the slasher craze, like going, the Universal Monsters, exact opposite. All of them talked except the creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm going through my head. Frankenstein, yes, he talked. I'm just making sure I'm, I'm not misspeaking. The classic ones. Pretty much, so, yeah, the creature was the only one that didn't talk. Uh, well, the Wolfman didn't talk when he was a wolf, but he was had a human side, so that that counts. Uh, I think I was trying to get me on some semantic bullshit. <laughs> uh, but in you know in the 80s slashers, only one of them talked. In terms of the big three, you know, Chucky talks, yes, but that's almost a product of nightmare. Uh, Pinhead talked, but you know, well, so you got a couple that can talk. Y'all you know, give you pin, you know, Pinhead, but Freddy was the one that he was the big one. Like he was the one that had the first toy line and, you know, the hotline to call and I'm going to tell you a story, kid. Get your parents permission first (laughs) or I'll gut you, bitch. (laughs) Can't say that until I get the permission. Yeah. Call the line first. (laughs) You know what I mean? Freddie was an icon. He was a uh, he was a he was a he was probably the. I mean, Jason was an IP, so to speak, in terms of a film franchise, but Freddy had the licensing. Freddy was the Star Wars of slashers. Not to turn this into a Freddy Krueger podcast, because there's plenty <laughs> of those already. Uh, you know, but nevertheless, Halloween 4, get back on track. Uh, unfortunately for this franchise, you know, they didn't, again, late, late to the party. But nevertheless, 4 was a, a great, in terms of the quality of the slasher films at this time, Probably the best in a long time, in a couple years at least, if you take consideration of the Friday the 13th one, teenth films that had come out. Uh, and Nightmare 5, I think it's underrated. It's still a good one. Uh, good night, Nightmare on 5, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, was that 80? Like, I think that might have been 89. 89, it was. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, well, we had four at this point. So, Nightmare was going strong at this point. One of the few. Nightmare was kind of late, too, because uh, 5 was 89. Four go down. It should be a little bit lower on the screen. Right? Yeah, I mean they were like almost. Back, yeah, you know they were. Nightmare took off in the mid to late eighties. Friday the Thirteenth was the entirety of the eighties, and Halloween was the tail ass end of the eighties. So Halloween Four for its time, Friday the Thirteenth had grown stale. Although you know even a bad Friday the Thirteenth film is still fun to watch in my opinion. Same thing with Nightmare and Halloween. Uh, so unfortunately, I wish our boy Michael, you know. The scariest slasher to me, based on the first two, and and this one to be honest, you know, again, like I said, there's some creepy scenes uh, with him for sure. You know, just came, you know, the music was too loud at the party. Nobody heard him knocking till finally somebody went outside to puke, opened the door. There's Michael. Oh my! 
Come on, come on in, bitch. <laughs> Jason's in the punch bowl, drowning. That would be a party. <laughs> Pinhead just sitting there with his chains at the karaoke, like I'm too sick. That's not even an eighty song. Uh, karma, 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 chameleon. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm snowballing here. <laughs> Chucky's doing something stupid. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the this again, this came out October twenty third, nineteen eighty eight. In the real world, the same day, there was the Phillips disaster in Pasadena, Texas. What's the Phillips disaster in Pasadena, Texas? You may have just said. Well, let me tell you. It was a devastating series of explosions and fires on October 23rd, 1988, uh, that originated in the Phillips Petroleum Company's Houston Chemical Complex near the Houston Ship Channel in Pasadena, Texas. Uh, the initial blast actually registered a 3.5 on the Richter scale, and the conflagration took 10 hours to bring under control, killed 23 employees, and injured 314 people. Wow. So it was pretty bad. So, mm. but luckily, hopefully, you were in a theater and not a, at the uh, Houston Chemical Complex that day. But unfortunately, uh, 348, 47 people were. At least, because those are the ones that got hurt. Because they had to work. Yeah, yeah un- unfortunately. So, mm. nevertheless, horrific. Uh, sad to have some, you know, that, that's, that shit happens, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future, I haven't seen anything new. Just watching horror movies, because it's Halloween when I can. Uh, and that's about it for the Back to the Future part. I wish I had more to say. <laughs> wow. Uh, there's ain't much to say. Yeah. <laughs> what if I... What am I doing? Well, you saw Little Monsters at the Halloween party. How'd you like it? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't get to pay attention to it? No. <laughs> there were so many people there, and they weren't they weren't into it, I guess. Mm. So, um, and plus, like, that door kept getting left open. So all the karaoke music was drowning out ah. the sound out there. So I just got up, closed the door, and I just stayed inside after that. <laughs> I probably left the door open a couple of times, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I was drunk. Way drunk. Uh, let's see. Uh, don't forget our other friends in the podcast world, the Something Something Podcast Network, and our f- other fellow friends on Twitch. Uh, the popular channels, Melissa Sings and Hardboard Games. Yep. Which just finished streaming just a few little minutes ago. Yep. So also and, Hardboard Games too. You can see me over there. I'm on all the time. There you go. And of course, you can catch us here on Twitch live on YouTube later. And then, as always, where we were born and raised on iTunes. That's right. And then, uh, so that's pretty much, that rounds it out for Halloween Horror this month, this year. Mm. On time. On As time. promised. Only one episode behind the planned amount of episodes. But hey, that we, we still didn't miss a beat. We have the Echo Sode. Rolled with the punches. We'll just save yeah. that other one for another horror thing to work it in. Yeah. Somewhere along the line. But next time, it is time, once again, <laughs> for the 100 character battle. Oh, wow. So that soon. Well, I mean, this is episode 220 something. Oh, we're supposed to do it 20. Well, no, well, well, not 20, because of course we did our 100 episodes, or we did with like 99, and then we started it, and then we had that late entrant because we wanted to have that Christmas episode with Clark Griswold. Sure. And then, of course, we had the five or six episodes of that. Yeah. And then, so I kept, and after that, I kept track of the characters uh, until we had 100. And then we had to finish Halloween Horror. Do this year's Halloween horror. So we're next, so we're going to begin the hundred character battle. I got them already randomly seated and everything. Uh, I want to get a copy of that Super Fight game. Mm-hmm. So if you know anybody that has it, that we can borrow it because I don't want to spend twenty bucks on a game I'm only going to use on the podcast. I had it here it's just like a week ago. So like that you had it, or I mean, it was, it was, it was a free pile. I guess someone took it. God damn it! 
Well, the reason and, I wanted to do that because like unless, you can unless I moved it. because you can like draw cards to pick like a battle like an arena mm-hmm. or something like that, and then like even weapons to where like instead of like we did last time. Oh, random draw. Just, just wow. to be, to take the fun out of. I mean, not the fun, and take to take having like the shark from Jaws obviously just can't appear in a arena without water. Sure. To where then everything is the seating is random, the where they're fighting is random. If there's any weapons laying around, it's random. We just set the stakes as this person is just thrown in here, and then they're fighting here, and there's this laying around, and then we speculate from there. I would imagine there would be something online with that. We'll have to look into it before the episode. Because I don't want to buy that game that I'm never going to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's not a great game. Yeah, that's but what, I, that's what I heard. I just need random cards of locations, <laughs> pretty much, or you know, something like that. That's that was the idea, at least in theory. We might try it we out the first time, and it might completely come fail. Up, we could probably find a generator for random locations and stuff, like an arena battle arena generator or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out for the next episode, though. Sure. So place your bets. Everything's gonna be randomly seated, and I think last time we ended up going six episodes with that, maybe five, doing that. So we'll basically just do that. Uh, I don't have the seating with me because I haven't looked. I just seated it randomly, and then I immediately put it in the folder face down. So everything's going to be uh, completely new for everybody as we read it and go through it. Oh, so what's this? We're this looking is online. Not it. This is some other thing. I don't know what this is. That's like a D and D like. I walk in, You walk into it in a room. It is electrically or magically charged. It's cavernous. You see abandoned human belongings and short pines nearby. Dirt and small stones litter the ground. You see no water. <laughs> this is a cheat, a DM cheat thing. Right. Like for describing Stormy an environment. on the abandoned battlefield. A scattering of stones to the left, a larch to the right. Moss covers the ground near a pond. <laughs> no, all generally. Not going to work uh, for this. Random. Yeah. But we'll figure something out. So, again, nothing to watch <laughs> for next week, but... Uh, I don't have it in front of me to tell you the movies that we started with, but nevertheless, we'll just all check it out together next time. Yep. So until then, happy Halloween, happy Devil's Night, happy Day of the Dead, happy All Saints Day, whenever you listen to this in the next couple of days. I'm going to be trick-treating my daughter tomorrow night. It's supposed to be really fucking cold. Yeah, down to 35. Which I'm excited for, but I don't think it's ever been that cold. And we've had <laughs> Violet out, so Autumn's freaking out. Like, i got to have all this on her. I'm like, she looks like... Little brother from yeah, a Christmas story. It was bound to be. It was bound to happen eventually. Oh, of course, but we don't usually go outside with her. You know, if it's cold, we obviously just wouldn't go outside with her. But it's, you know, obviously, you obviously have to go outside for trick or treat. Sure. So unless you go to those uh, what trick or trunk where people just have it in the trunk of their cars or yeah. something. Yeah, that's called a drug dealer. Yeah, pretty <laughs> or much. Or a dead hooker salesman. I'll take some uh, booger sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it called that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Booger sugar. <laughs> I'm going to use that in a sentence tomorrow. <laughs> I like that. But so, yeah, next week, everybody, get ready for the, you know, to think in your head of these characters that are going to be fighting. It's going to be, last time was pretty inter- interesting and entertaining and a lot of fun. So I'm hoping this one will be. Of course, we won't have as many icons in terms of <laughs> characters as we did last time in our first sure. 100 episodes. There are definitely some clear favorites <laughs> if you we were placing Vegas odds, so to speak. If you just look at any of the last hundred episodes, you'll get an idea. So we'll have to think of things about that. But nevertheless, it'll be a good time next time here on Asia Visited. So until then, I remain Trey Harris, Jesse Sedgley, Cowabunga, and happy Halloween.